Hey, friends and enemies, lovers and haters. If you live in the Denver Front Range area, June 9th, your boy's going to be in town. Come support the Malawi fundraiser. Climb Malawi with GCI Global Climbing Initiative. Myself, Jen and Eve Walker, we're going to be there. I would love to see your faces. I'd love to meet the faces of people who listen to this show. It's always a wild time for me. Go to my Instagram. The link is in the bio. Click it. Get a ticket. Show up. I'd love to see you and support something that is going to support the rest of the world of rock climbing at large. We're blessed. So let's share our blessings. Hey, Bree, how you doing? Hey, good and pretty good. How are you, Mario? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Hey, I was psyched to see you and Cameron climbing last week. How did uh, your session go? It was pretty good. Haven't been on ropes in a while. I feel like I just need to start training a little bit more again. What was that hangboard you mentioned to us? Uh, oh, it was the flashboard. And I think it's the best one because you can use it indoors. You can use it outdoors. It doesn't really matter where you use it. You can hang it on stuff. You don't have to mount it to your wall. So it's pretty dope. Oh, that's great, because I feel like I can't put holes anywhere in my house, but yeah, that's awesome. Where can I get it? Uh, you can go to Tension's website, and then whenever you do, just drop in the promo code TENSIONSAS20. You'll get 20% off. You'll support the podcast, and yeah, but then they'll get it to you on the quickness. Oh, sick. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Are you guys climbing again this weekend? Yeah, I think we'll hit up uh, maybe the new... Rope gym down in the design district. Oh, the new movement is finally open. Nice. Finally, after our long wait. I know. That's a long wait, but I'm excited. Well, I'm looking forward to climbing with both of you guys, and I'll see you guys this weekend. Yeah, I'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. Friends and enemies, lovers and haters, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. If you haven't already, please follow, like, and subscribe to Sends and Suffers podcast. Every bit counts, and we would love to hear from you. So take a moment to leave a comment. These go a long way and help others know what they're getting into and how good this show is. If this is one of your favorite podcasts, consider becoming a Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you are investing in Sense and Suffers podcast, and it's like buying your boy a taco, hanging out, and getting to know the good good that is coming your way. Monthly recaps early show releases, and all the other cool things that we do. Thank you so much for listening to Sends and Suffers podcasts. This episode has a lot of joy and a whole lot of sadness in it. Eddie, Paige, and I talk about the closing of Summit Dallas, D-Rocks, one of the most iconic gyms in DFW, and I would arguably say Texas as a whole. Watching this gym close is like a Berlin Wall in DFW. I'm not going to ramble about this story too much because you need to listen to it, but please enjoy and know that this means a lot to me. This is how you are listening to the person that you are. It's where I got my start, where I decided what my career was going to be, where I decided I wanted to be a climber, and what made me fall in love with this sport enough to contribute 20 plus years of my life to this community. Enjoy the episode. Uh, so welcome to Sense and Suffers podcast. Um, this episode is a little bit of a heartstring, definitely. Um, this episode is a part of many, probably going to be for a little while here, but a farewell tribute to Summit Dallas, aka D Rocks, Dallas Rocks. Um, the gym that I would say change DFW rock climbing single-handedly and so um, I've got two lovely people in the studio today and so I'll let you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves who are you where are you from 
and what is your connection to rock climbing, the outdoors, or whatever it is you like to do? The epic game of rock, paper, scissors. Victory. Does that mean I go first or you go first? You go first. Oh, God. Okay, uh, my name is Paige Martinez. Um, I've been in the climbing community and working for Summit Dallas since a little after the pandemic, like August uh, 2020. Um, I, it's not part of my career anymore. It's more of like a side gig that I do just because I love it. Um, I'm a teacher now, but, um, you know, still make time to go outdoors and, you know, experience life. Mm-hmm. That's my boo. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm, my name is Eddie Fonsadella. I am biotechnicalities born in the Philippines and has been raised in, here in the U.S., uh, I've been, I started climbing back in 2017 uh, by way of, I guess, passed by my one of my best friends, Peter Dang. There's sure one minute to fame right there. Um, and then ever since he gets passed to me and I fell in love with it, climbed at Carrollton, climbed at Dallas, and I was just there for the majority of my time. And then I just slowly like like made my way up the ladder. I was a front desk at Carrollton. Once that shut down, I went over to Plano, was front desk for like a little few, few months, and then became a assistant manager, as it was called back then, as it's called now, shift manager, um, back in 2019. And then I was there until 2021, where I did, in July, make my way to Summit Dallas as their assistant general manager. And then after not even a year, I think in March of 2022, I became their general manager until it's, you know, eventual end, if you don't already know, in April 30th. And then that's, that's just where the journey has gone so far. And every step of the way that has been there has always been, you know, an interesting way to kind of just see the transitions from going from a smaller gym like Carrollton to a mega gym. The first mega gym in, I believe, in for India for DFW in Plano. I think, to, yeah, I think Plano was the first mega gym in the state of Texas, period. Really? I, I would argue that. I mean, I'm sure other people would argue that like Crux, I don't consider it in Austin. I would not consider that a mega gym. More so Mesa Rim now. Oh, Mesa oh, Rim. Yeah. Oh, no one can touch Mesa Rim. No doubt. No, that, that thing is. is like, they came in and they absorb the motto of Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas. And that gym is ginormous. It's so big. Have you been yet? I have yeah. not. Uh, yeah, I went for uh, Paraclimbing Nationals. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I, the gym was so big that I literally, I was like, you can walk, they could still have the gym open to the general public and still climb. And more than like it would seem like more than 50 percent of the gym was closed but it wasn't and yeah, Dang. It, was, it was crazy yeah and that's that's one of those things so then like going into the plano gym f- uh, from plano to dallas to you know one of the oldest in dfw mm-hmm. was like a definitely a big transition because i kind of went from like a different culture over in plano of just we got a, cor- a corporate gym, you know, a nice facility, try to keep things up and running. And then it was constantly busy, you know, 24-7. We would get lines out the out the dang door at some points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then going over to Dallas and, like, just going to like a more chill facility and have more time to, like, my staff, which I find, like, to be, like, one of the biggest advantages that I had over there was because it wasn't so busy, like, just in terms of what was happening at the gym the staff had more time and I I had more time with them to kind of just, you know, get to know them, especially when they heard I was from Plano. I definitely remember. And, you know, some folks who might be listening might be laughing at this because I definitely remember some times whenever I was in uh, Dallas, I would, I would, would, there's like some folks there that were actually transferred from Plano to Dallas. And I was just like, tell me about the staff. Let me know what, um, what uh, spicy info you got for me. And I definitely got the vibe of just like people were like, oh man, this guy's from Plano. This guy's going to be super corporate. This guy's about to make this job not fun. And then I was like, and like, understandably so, I'm like, yeah, I guess if you think a guy from uh, from Plano is is like, you know, that's where the corporate side was. But I was like, man, give me a chance first. I didn't even get to introduce myself and really had these uh, preconceptions that the staff at the time had. Uh, But I was pretty pleased with myself and also with their openness with me to talk to me more and get to know me more and you know eventually um i would i would say like a lot of us became like good friends a lot of us you know 
got to work well with each other and really got to meld with each other as a as a team as like as like a brotherhood in, in a sense for a lot of folks there it's so funny i i mean summit is no more so i can say whatever i want now but <laughs> um Summit is the farthest thing from corporate in the entire world. It doesn't matter if you come from Plano, Mega Gym, or Grapevine. Summit, the unique thing about Summit, and I think this is true with almost any mom and pop, well-run, well-run mom and pop organization with a vision and a goal, and they're moving forward. The thing about Summit was so unique is it's much like rock climbing. Rock climbing, we the the cool thing about rock climbing is is we have such close proximity to our heroes. Like the like, you know, Alex, what is it? Alex was in uh Dallas not too long ago. You've had everybody from Kevin Jordanson to Honnell to anybody, and like you're really not that far removed from Giants. Uh, you know, Chris Sharma, you name it. The list goes on. Um but the thing I liked about Summit was unique is you could walk up to the owners or the general managers or the senior staff. And you could basically pitch an idea and you could create a job for yourself. And if your job became viable and it showed that it drove revenue, then you had the opportunity to either revenue share or make a certain amount. But you could literally create your own job. And I cannot tell you how many people over the decades that I have encouraged to do that or watched do that. And so it's funny to me that you say that the people from the Dallas gym, my alma mater, mind you, <laughs> um, would say that Plano is so corporate. And it's like, I don't know, it's, that, that, that bewilders me. It's like I'm just baffled that anyone would actually say that. But it makes sense. I mean, Plano is, I mean, it is a grind. Like, I mean, like the gym is busy and you know, running youth programs over there, I know. Like, I mean, we have 170 to 200 kids in our youth program at any given time. And it's like running all of them and moving all of them is a business. And I get that. And I think, you know, there is a sleepiness about that gym, Dallas, that I do miss. And it's definitely, it's unique. It's funny that you would say that. Though. That blows me away. I mean, yeah, they're like the the staff there, you know, compared to the shifts I would work at Plano, like, it's actually funny, my first assistant manager shift at Plano was our Oktoberfest event in 2019, okay. my very first shift. And it was balls to the wall, like busy, crazy the entire time. We had a lot of beer at the gym at the time. Um, there was like a, there was a thing right behind me at the tower where you're supposed to hold a like, a, uh, a pitch of like full beer and you're supposed to hold it out straight arm while you're on the wall the entire time and just hold it as long as possible. And there was a lot of spills there. So it was crazy having to have my first shift. Just, I really didn't get to do manager stuff. I was just trying to check people in, get all their stuff taken care of while this is all happening behind me, uh, for my first event. So it was, it was a wild, it was a wild time at Plano because those first few months, heck, even the first, I would probably say the first year before the shutdown, mm -hmm. it was just nonstop busy. And it was, it was always a fun grind, especially yeah. with like the crew that like, we I was uh, working with at the time. Uh, they were they were definitely lots of fun to work with, but man, it was nonstop busy. Like almost every time I worked, I pretty much every time I worked there, unless I opened, it was just a grind. So definitely going to Dallas and having not much of a grind, but having more time to have myself develop with the staff, while also like having the staff and also me sometimes have those customer interactions, which I which I value the most, because that's what I valued the most whenever I had the time at Plano. Um, a lot of folks I met at the Plano gym who I'm a lot closer with, um, I definitely met through just walking around, talking mm -hmm. with them, just like, you know, how's the project going? You need beta? If you don't, you want me to encourage you? Let me know. And then just having more time to do that at Dallas, but also in a different sense, whether it's the assistant general manager or the general manager, and just having like my downtimes between having to do like, you know, yeah. manager stuff, back end, back end mm -hmm. duties and just, you know, meetings and all that jazz. What would you say, like, 
if you had to describe the true difference between the two gyms and the two locations, like if you were going to almost give them characters, almost like, I don't know, anime characters, whoever, like, like how would you describe the, the two gyms? Because, you know, we also want to take a, take into take for granted that, like, probably the bulk of people listening to this, they know D-Rocks. They're very well familiar with it. But there's a lot of people who don't know that. And I want to say, like, you know, is... Is D-Rocks a representation of people's home woody and their home crags and their hometowns or that, like that? Like how, like, like we can go ahead and say Plano is Globo Gym. Like, let's just, like, I don't think it's truly like Globo Gym because I work there. Yeah. But let's just go ahead and give it like baby Globo Gym slap of the label. So how would you describe your experience when you walk through the door at Dallas comparison to walking into Mesa Rim or these big corporate gyms because it's not Waltopia walls. It's not flash flooring. It's, you know, it's different. It's very different. I love that gym, but it's different. Uh, it definitely gave me big reminders of the Summit Carrollton gym because uh, that was my very first gym because it was definitely like the same vibes. So, like those walls are definitely a little older. The mats definitely had their issues, but what really drove me to those gyms and what drove me to like, you know, and continue to invest my time and energy to the Dallas gym itself was just the homey feeling of just whenever you walk in, all the staff are, you know, readily attentive to you and just saying hello and just like greeting you. And of course, they're my staff. So obviously I would get that all the time because that's what I expect. But just being able to just, you know, kind of go in, you like pretty much know everyone who is in that building and you like know what their project is on and know ex like not exactly what's in their like the lives you know because like sometimes there might be some people you might get that intimate with with uh, their personal lives because i think that's one of the great things about the dallas gym was a lot of folks a lot of folks really got to know each other really intimately um especially mm -hmm. within the staff uh that i try to get my keep myself out of just because of my position right yeah management but i would but just like i would i would hear things and i was just like oh man you're going through that i wish i knew but also like i can't really do anything about it because of my position you know but um it's just one of those things where like almost everyone that would walks in it would be totally up to them if they wanted to meld into you know just the grand community that was at the dallas gym and being able to just you know trust each other with you know, your, your life. And like, sometimes when I used to, um, you know, wanting to go into a deep climb session, I would try to leave it behind. But what I would really feel in a Dallas gym that I don't really necessarily have to per se, but I would be able to, you know, kind of trust some of these folks with these intimate stories, intimate, you know, happenings in my life and being able to like have them hear me out because that's just like the, that's like the kind of community that I inherited. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause I wasn't around when it was D-Rocks or whenever it just became some of Dallas. You know, I started first climbing in 2017, so I didn't really get much of a time to like really get to know a lot of the old heads, I would call them, uh, the folks who've like been around for a long time. I got to, I got to meet a lot, about a lot of them. Uh, whenever we announced to it, we were closing down. Uh, one, of the, one, one gentleman uh, pridefully was talking to me how he had... Uh, he had ripped part of a panel off a wall, and I found it on when when we were um, doing the uh, the the demo, uh, demobilization of the gym. I'm like, oh, that's that's probably what he was talking about. That Dave? was was his name. Dave? I don't remember his Buffalo name. Buffalo Dave and his Comanche wife. No, not, not that, his wife. That, was there. We used to call this couple. And I think it was Dave. Might it might have been Dave, but yeah, this couple we used to call in the gym. Uh, great people. They live in somewhere in East Dallas now, but. Buffalo Dave and his Comanche wife and Dave started climbing and then his wife, he met his wife at the climbing gym and then she could climb circles around anybody. She was wickedly strong and talented. And uh, yeah, I remember that. I, I don't know if it was him. I mean, it, it happened more than once. It was on the shield, shield wall, the one with the two triangles. Yeah, I mean, it like I said, it happened more than once. That's um, fair. It, well, a panel ripped off of the old lead, lead wall. And then it happened on the shield, and then it happened on the first sister um, once, and then I think it almost happened on the second sister, and that was it. Yeah. So, and for those of you who don't know, so if you uh, have been to the gym, all the walls have names there, which is unique. And so you had like the slab, the vert, the shield, 
the 20, the 30, which is 30 was just like this little skinny little thing. Um, the spider in the back. It also had the name of the taint at one point in time. Um, just because it's, it's, it's just this terrible mash of like walls of like, you know, I mean, think of a taint. Like just, just a lot of stuff comes together at one place. It works. It worked. Man, but you can't call it that during like kids club or climbing club. Oh, I totally did. <laughs> no. Oh, I totally did. Back in D-Rock's days, I totally called it taint. I didn't give two shits at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, granted, I might have been like chill about it, but I definitely called it the taint. And then eventually, at one point, we spray painted the spider on it, and then it was called the spider. And then the right of lead, and then the lead wall was gone. And then from there, when you wrap around the corner on the right side, you have first, third sister, second sister, first sister, the whale, which the whale used to not have that head wall on it. When I first started climbing there, it was a full whale because that wall was designed in mind for you do, to do your projects like Girls of Juarez, Mex, uh, Girls of Juarez, uh, Mexican Chicken, um, just steep, like, uh, you know, uh, Moonboard. Oh, no, not Moonboard. What is it? Um, Moonroof. Yes. Yeah. In Waco. It was designed for that. And then Big Tex, at one point, Big Tex arguably was the biggest bouldering open space in the entire country. Like, there was no big. I'll, I remember, I can't remember what his name is. He did Wheel of Life. He was the first person to ascend Wheel of Life in Australia. It's like a 30 something move V13, V14. And he had came down, he was dating Alex Puccio. This is like early 2000s, mind you. Um and he was had been setting all over the country and I'll never forget his and his Aussie access. He was like big text. He's like setting on this wall. It's just so goddamn bloody big. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's like I just put a hold here and it just like looks like a speck of dust <laughs> on the wall. And uh, and then from there, you had the island. If you turn around right behind you, you had the island. Uh, then you had Smalls Walls. But Smalls Walls might have been called Smalls, but Smalls was like the meanest wall out of all of them. Smalls Walls was savage. And then you had the prow. Um, and then you had the slab wall, which originally the slab wall was not the slab wall. So that wall got rebuilt. And that was the biggest slab wall in the state of Texas. Mind you, maybe in the country. I don't know. Someone might argue with that. But at the height, that slab wall topped out at 22 feet. And so when you came down, if you fell off the top of your boulder, you were falling 22 feet on that. Like it was far way down. Um, No, maybe 20. No, not 22 feet. 18 feet. 18, 20. I think Evan and I have argued this a lot. But yeah, and then if you wrap back around the corner, then you have the speed wall, which the speed wall originally was a vert wall. It was never that tilted and angled. It was actually dead vertical back in the day. And it was just where we used to set, like it was originally the birthday wall back in the day, like early D-Rocks days. It's where we set all the birthday parties and everything. But then when Summit bought, I think this is before Summit bought the gym or right before it, I remember Jesse Romero and a few other parents, like we went in and then I can't remember if it was Kyle or Clint Scales or McCleary, cannot remember which one, but they tilted the wall trying to get it the, the USA speed angle and the wall is so short. It just didn't that. And I remember they got out measuring tape and like a laser to measure the exact distance that the speed holds needed to be on and they measured them on and they put them on. And then the slide used to be there. There used to be a slide in the back of the wall, but then some kid broke his leg or broke his arm, and his oh. dad was a big piece of crap. And then didn't realize. I remember I was there. The kid broke his leg, and we remember telling the dad, like, we think his arm is broken. And his dad was like, ah, the kid's just being a little wimp. And then, like, m- a month later, we get uh, the gym gets served right after, like, this is right after somebody bought it. And then, um, and then you had, so then you had the slide wall. Because that's what that was originally called. Because that's how you climbed up and got access to the slide. That's why it's fenced off up there. And then you had... um, Technically, I feel weird saying this. But like that next wall next to it is actually called Mario's Wall. It was mine. Because right when Jared Stane started Motivation Volumes, I used to buy a bunch of holds. And I used to set... For Kids Club, I set routes every single day. I would set five or four routes every single day specifically for kids club kids to teach them movement and i taught 
I can't remember what her name is. A couple Team Texas kids to set, and we would set every day. And then you had um, the 15-degree wall. And that 15-degree wall that goes all the way to the main door, that wall used to be the old spray wall of the gym back in D-Rock's day. So that whole thing was turned into a spray wall. And back in D-Rock's days, that thing would, we would we would actually rotate spray walls around the gym. So that thing was the predominant, predominant spray wall because the upstairs was just fully fitness. And back in the day, like before Summit bought the gym, the upstairs was fully fitness. And then it was actually a special ops laser tag room up in the very top corner where the little kids area was. It was all blacked out and you could take special op guns and shoot laser tag and <laughs> all this other stuff. You could practice scop, that, that. And then the office used to, there used to be a full office up there, but it all got tore down. Oh man, that would have been nice. Yeah, it was nice. It was actually really nice, <laughs> but it was a full office up there. Um, and then where the storage room is now, um, that storage room, honestly, I'm trying to remember. I, it was the birthday party room too, because where the old, like the, the main birthday party room now is we have birthday party room one, birthday party room two, there was two refrigerators in there. And then the yoga studio used to be like this Mexican quinceanera, like traditional Mexican. No, not quinceanera. What am I talking about? Uh, traditional Mexican dance studio where they would teach people traditional Mexican dance. Like, you know, I don't know if it was Aztecian or that, but it was very bright colors. It was very like Cinco de Mayo was a big day on there. But they would teach. It was a dance studio originally. Before that, it was a box store where they sold cardboard box and packing the boxes. And then before all of that, Dallas Rocks was originally a cabinet-making factory because when the gym opened, there was sawdust everywhere. It was everywhere. Wow. Um, but yeah, we used to rotate the spray wall. So we would take hold and we would set circuits for Delaney Miller underneath the whale. And so there would be like 30, 45 move circuits set underneath the whale. And we would rotate the circuits all over the gym based on what certain athletes needed and what based on what season we were in. So if we were in rope season, there would be these random little circuits set all 30, 40 move circuits set in multiple different colors of tape all over the gym. And there would be like two or three of them, but they would rotate. And then, um, yeah, and I, Matt and I would set these things, God knows, to how late in the night. Um, but yeah, like that gym was wild. It was, oh, like, it, was, it was a different day and age. It was a very different day and age. Yeah, but I used to set um, things for the kids every day. I would set um, routes, but then I would set long pieces of tapes to different boxes and set dyno circuits. And this is like early 2000s before anybody else was doing it. Like, imagine like you have a hold and there's tape going up and then, you know, pink tape goes to this. So that's really hard. Green tape goes to this. That's easy. And I would have like all these lines facing everywhere and you would just look at where it goes and it would teach kids. This is how we would teach kids club kids to dino and we would teach these kids club kids to that and the only kid i would probably remember any of this is ellie roll who's on team texas she's the only one because i started coaching her when she was like three or four and that's it and then she's like I don't know, a teenager now i don't know i'm going on a rant i'm, I'm old man ranting right now oh that's fine i like yeah. that yeah dude It's going to be a big, uh, big reminisce fest in this room. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, I don't know, man. I, I said this tonight of the going away thing and it was like, I, I, I know obviously there's no way to truly say this comparison, but the magnitude of D-Rocks closing, because it will for always and ever be D-Rocks in my heart. Like I know it's Summit Dallas, but it will always forever be D-Rocks in my heart. The magnitude of that gym closing is just like the magnitude of watching the Berlin Wall fall. Because like that gym changed the future of climbing in DFW. Prior to that, it was like Carrollton, which Carrollton was great. Don't get me wrong. It was good. It was good. <laughs> That's but my gym. When, what people, when people would go like, ah, I'm from Carrollton, we would always jokingly, and we were very serious, like, oh, welcome to Strong Town. Oh, because no. like. It was strong. Like, crazy. like you had like those walls would just kick your ass. Like big techs alone would just kick your ass. 
Yeah, like you could climb on Big Tex for a month and be ready for rope season. Oh, yeah. I mean, Big Tex was really my favorite wall because it was like the first thing you see. So I would imagine the setters would just put their most tantalizing routes on there. I'm like, here, like, let me show you like what I got. And I would all like Big Tex routes, like almost every time they sat there, I'm just like, this is my favorite route. It's my new favorite route. I would gravitate towards smalls just because it was... It was balls to the wall hard, especially the most recent set, which was funny because uh, Young Ladot set a crazy route, which I mean I never got to try it because of yeah. because of my uh, my back, but um, but there was the smalls is o- smalls always had some fun routes too. I mean, hmm. I wish I, I wish like more part of what part of what um of uh, under realizing whenever that gym was starting to close, and part of what my regret. Uh, quote unquote, if, if you can say, like, I mean, most of it was really outside of my uh, realm of opportunity. Was I wish I got into climbers climbing sooner because I missed out on the lead wall that was there. Because that whenever I got in, it became the the spray wall, which that was still oh, pretty yeah. sick down there. It was still cool, but dude, yeah, you, I mean, leading on that, taking whips on that fa- wall, like, looks so good. You became the best belayer in the entire world because it was concrete right underneath you oh yeah and i would take like i mean that wall was only what 28 feet tall and i would take 18 19 foot whips on that thing without fail i remember one time i fell so far i whipped down i came into the wall i whipped back and then i then my partner lowered me and i was standing on the barrier oh man yeah this is like years ago and that barrier and that barrier used to be a bench you could sit on. I think that I think I can't remember what kind of a bench, but it was a bench, because it like yeah, it was not. Oh, there's so much stories about that. Oh, I bet. I bet there's a lot of stories that we won't even probably get to, for, yeah. with the amount of history that's really in that gym yeah. and what what really, um, is really just like that that gym like you said is that gym is historical, like there's just so many like you know, tears, like literal tears, blood, skin shed in that gym and like how much it's like sustained itself in a way. And like, I know most people nowadays are used to their cushy textured walls, Waltopia walls. Um, that was the number one complaint I would get to some of these folks who would visit the gym. I'm just like, man, but do you expect, like I tell these people, do you expect outdoors? Do you expect all these walls that you're going to be climbing to be textured? And I'm like, it's not a flat wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I really think that, like, if you climb to Dallas, some of Dallas, Dallas Rocks, like, it made you, like, a truly better outdoor climber. climber. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I would, I used to say, like, if you can smear on this wall, you can smear on anything. And I remember we would, that was a point of pride. Like, if you could climb up the wall, barely using anything and smearing on that thing, that was hard. It was, yeah, man, that, it, it, it was nostalgic. It was a beautiful place. I'm sad that it's gone, but... I also, you know, regrettably say, I think once Plano was built, I think the writing was on the wall. Yeah, it was definitely... No pun intended. It was definitely one of those things that I heard, definitely, whenever um, Plano opened up, because Dallas would get busy, too. Dallas would get lines out the door. I'm sure you've you've experienced it yourself uh, for certain times. And, like, even whenever Plano would be down for a day, when that when the um, when the gym flooded inside, like, Dallas was packed. Oh, I can only imagine you got before Plano opened. That gym was hemorrhaging. It was hemorrhaging. I remember the worst part of that gym was the line for the bathrooms. It's definitely uh, one of those things that definitely reminded itself uh, at the going away party. I would oh just be God. walking around and just you know, how y'all having a good time? Some a lot of folks during that party would you know stop me and be like, "How you doing?" what's next for the Edster? And I'm just like, I'm just trying to make sure this bathroom's uh, stocked with TP. Um, I'm not going to lie. I went out in the field in the back and just peed in the field. That's what I used to do all the time back in D-Rock days. when It was so busy. You just walk all the way back in that giant field where the water tower is. Yeah. I just pee back there. It's a nice field. It's great. Sometimes dogs go out there. I I wouldn't go out there to pet them. Nope, nope, nope. Never know. Nope, nope, Might bite nope. Jenkins and rabies. There was a guy who used to let his pit bull run that back there and it attacked someone actually oh years ago. God. This was like early 2000s. 
Yeah, I think he got arrested for that too. Because I think he had warrants out for him afterwards. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's semantics. But. We always brought a lot of fun characters over at D Rocks. Mm-hmm. Page, like, what is? I guess, like, do you have a particular favorite memory or a particular favorite moment of like of that gym? You worked in that gym at running youth programs for quite a while, so like yeah. you and I have more in common of like what we've done in that gym than anything else. I mean, I've done management, I've done that, but my career as a coach started in that gym. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really think that I can't pinpoint like an exact memory that I would be like, yes, this is the moment. But I mean, I there are so many kids that I coached in that gym that I. I am never going to forget them. Like, maybe I taught them how to, you know, do a dead point or, you know, how to move their hips, how to move their hips in this specific way to, you know, make this move or whatever. But, like, they taught me how to empathize with people. They taught me how to teach. Like, I, I'm a better teacher just teaching in, you know, some high school because I coached these kids. And, like... They they changed my life, I think, more than I did theirs. And they're probably not going to remember me in 10 years, but I will remember them forever. Yeah, I think that's true. When I left for Spain for doing the climb, the kids were, when I got back, I was like, hey, did you miss me? They're like, you were gone? Where were you? <laughs> I was like, I was gone for like four months. And they're like, oh, I thought you left yesterday. And I'm like, great. Yeah. I think the the thing I, I'm not going to lie, like I love Plano kids and all of you, if you're listening to this, parents, families, I love you all. But I do have to admit, Lake Island's parents are super chill. Um, what? Okay. Some I, of them. I, some I, of them. I mean, listen, they're bad apples <laughs> everywhere. Like I, yeah, there are some Plano parents that are like a hot mess and kids that are a hot mess. And then they're also majority of them are like, you know, like, I, listen, I know my kid's a turd. I'm well aware my kid's a turd. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just treat him like he's a turd, and he'll he'll grow out of his turdiness. And if he's too turdy, just let me know, and we'll straighten it out. I mean, like, the climbing parents, yes, absolutely. Like, the parents that were taking those kids to climb, they're, like, super chill, love them all, phenomenal. Because I, <laughs> I teach in the Lake Highlands area, and, like, it also goes to a point where... I, yes, I think education is different, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, miles different. What is the biggest difference you've noticed from teaching education, like Highland kids, and from coaching them? Uh, definitely a difference in socioeconomic standards and then things that are downstream effects of that. Because, like, if, if they were coming in to climb like the kids were, like, their parents could afford it. Mm -hmm. I... I teach kids that a lot of them don't have a permanent home. Mm. Um, like I've, I have some horror stories of just kids coming crying to me about things that are just completely out of their control. Like there's a lot of like gang violence, which is really like, mm -hmm. like I always thought like the whole gang thing was like blown out of proportion and you're just trying to make poor brown kids feel bad. But no, it, it's a huge problem. Like a huge problem. No, it's a gaslighted issue. I mean, people don't realize it, but like D Rocks got broken into in my time there. Did it ever get broken into when you? No, I think it stopped once they put all the metal grading up and all of that. It basically stopped. But prior to that, I want to say that gym got broken into 12 or 13 times God. over the years, you know, and somehow we all still left our cars there for climbing trips all the time. But, um, yeah, that area is wild because you have, like, Section 8 housing right down the way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nothing against Section 8, but, like, there was – I remember when it was D-Rocks, we – Jared and Kenzie lived across the street. And I'll never – I think – I can't remember if it was a La, La Raza or P Pure Latin Blood or something else. But, like, this kingpin used to live across the street. I'll never forget, like, he brought his kid to a birthday party. This guy was all big tattooed up. And we, like, looked at him when he walked in. And Jared and Kenzie were like, well, I was like, shut up. I was like, just don't say anything. Just shut up. Just sell, Just treat him like he's everybody else. And he took his kid in. His kid had a great time and things like that. And I remember they lived in the apartment complex. And they saw him one day. And they're like, oh, yeah. And he, they were like, what's going on? He's like, ah, oh, we got to go up to the gym. Someone broke in. And he was like, someone broke in? He's like, my kid had a great time there. 
And they're like, yeah, yeah, we got it broken. And then he can't, he knocked on the door on Jared Dickenzie's door. Cause I didn't live with them at that time, but they knocked on the door later on. He's like, no one's ever going to break into that gym again. And for like four years, it was peace. And I will never, I don't know what happened, what got said. I don't want to know. I don't want to be a part of that conversation. And I know it was many years ago, but I still don't want to know. But it was just like all of a sudden people creeping around the building, homeless people, all of it was just gone. It was just disappeared. That's bizarre. <laughs> I mean, it really just goes oh, to show. Flex. That was what it was. It was exactly. Like yeah. Of power. Yeah. It's like you you treat you treat someone nice one time and then yeah there's this create there's this kingpin protect your business yeah yeah I mean you you know so word to wise so for those of you listening if there's a kingpin in your area treat his family with respect treat his kids well and you're a shoeing you know I guess that's how it works do you uh, have you coached any of the do you teach any of the kids you coach have you had any crossovers with some of those kids yet. Um, one of the kids on Team Texas, Henry, he went to the school that I taught at, but he wasn't one of my students. And then one of my kids that actually was my student, he wasn't on team, but he did climb at the gym. And it, mm. it was so weird because like on the first day he came in, I like looked at him and I was like, I know you. Who are you? summit i know you from the gym and we just kind of stared at each other until we figured it out <laughs> and i was like oh no you've seen me like because this kid has definitely been at late nights and has definitely seen me drunk oh yeah <laughs> and he was at the going away party too wait a minute kids were allowed to go to the late night set there he was with his parents oh okay well yeah, yeah, i think this was a sanctioned event i uh, think is a, is a family i mean d-rock was a family place it might not seem very family, but it was a very family place. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Oh, man. So, you know, kind of, so we're kind of going all over the place with this conversation here, but kind of really bringing things back to the gym. Um, now that, you know, the gym is basically closed, pretty much probably demolished. Um, you know, everything is said and done, uh, which is very sad and uh, actually, quick sidebar: Have you guys seen that Instagram? You know the one I'm talking about. Oh, the original uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Thoughts, comments. I'm just curious. I want to know who it is because I have a suspicion. I think I know, but I've asked the person if they would be willing to be on the podcast, and uh, I, that's it. I'm not gonna say anymore. I want to keep their privacy. I want to keep their. <laughs> but I have a sneaky suspicion that I think I know who it is. Oh, we can sidebar that. Well, I, I take it back. I think. I don't want to say I think I know who it is. I think it's one of 10 people in my head. And it's like, and it makes sense reading the post, reading the comments. I'm like, it seems like it would be one of y'all. And so, but I was just curious what your thoughts are of that. I I think it's awesome. Like I, I've been working at that gym longer than, Longer than anybody that works at that worked at that gym by the time it closed now, because the only other person that was still with the company when I got hired was Leo, and he wasn't at that location anymore. But, like, I learned so much just looking at the photos from there, because, like, like, I've been there for a while, but it's different, you know, and mm-hmm. there, there aren't those photos laying around the gym anymore. Like, there's memorabilia, but you don't really get the feel for it. Mm-hmm. No, agreed. Agreed. Eddie? I've had a nice interaction with them. I tried to connect with them to try to get some things, um, mainly for the Burkheads after finding out Kevin had passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, I was really me. I was just trying to use that uh, that Instagram page as like a um, a bridge to talk to Kevin's older brother mm-hmm. uh, to see if I can get him anything from the gym to help to you know cope with the gym or trying to get something that's like you know from the gym even though i'm sure like kevin had a bunch of those before his untimely passing mm-hmm. um but i've had i've had good interactions I, it was it was super like i would just like when we found out it was closing i would like just go to the page and like like Paige said i would look at the old stuff and be like man i wish i was like, like what like i was saying like earlier i really wish i was around during that no, time no. I, 
I could have been a young impressionable kid. I could have been one of your one of your you students. You would have, but dude. Uh, so one of those photos of those orange, those red, uh, red and black Asana mats. The drag mats, yes. Yeah, you had to drag those mats around. So you would like this is this when I started climbing that gym. There was so few people that you could wait for the mats and then do a climb. You could wait for the mats and then do a climb. And I'll never forget. Like, so I want you to take into consideration something. How tall is Big Tex? Dang. So you have to stack two mats. No, you landed on one of those. So think about, I want you to think about this. Like, look at that photo. That foam pad that you see there was probably no more than four inches thick. What? That gray stuff is no more than four inches thick, and then when your foot stepped on it, you would bottom out every time. Oh, man. We used to bring our own crash pads to the gym because those Asana pads were just getting ragged on. I'll never forget, like, I, I met Jolene and Aaron Giles because I walked up to him. I was like, hey, I'm going to do this boulder on big text, but I'm, like, a little nervous and, like... I know I got the pads here, but would you guys spot me? And I'll never forget. Like, so think about that. The barrier, the retaining barrier is like, what, 22, 30 inches tall? It's like, whatever. That was gone. So when you fell from Big Tex at the top, if you blew on a boulder, like, it was real. Like, I'll never, like, that's the one. I, honestly, I, I think that's the one thing I miss. Back in the day, people learned how to spot you because if you were blowing, and you hit those gray mats, your elbow was still broken. Your arm was still broken. Like, I'll never forget. Like, you would... And I think I think that was the most unique thing about that gym. Like, you would not do a scary boulder without someone there. And you literally... I remember literally planning projecting days around having friends at the gym just to spot me. Because it was so... Part of my French, but fucking scary. <laughs> Like I'll never forget, I like I did this dyno, and I panned off, and I was going to the right corner near the beam, and the finish hold was screwed onto the beam. No, I hate it. And so I was just like here, but it, no, it wasn't like right on the beam. It was almost in the middle of the beam, and like close to the middle. And I'll never forget, I like got up, got this high heel, stepped up, grabbed this like bad crimp, stepped in high, like high left foot, high left foot. And then just kind of did this like ice cream scoop motion with my hips and then fired off and hit this jug. And I just remember hitting it, trying to bring my hand back up, but going full pancake. And Rob Kenderson and Kenzie Davis just grabbed me and flipped me over in my back midair and slammed me down on the crash pad. And this is a technique of spotting that I don't think is used anymore, but like. There is a method where you slam someone onto the floor, onto the crash pad. Like you don't like a lot of people are like, let's just stop and let's just do this. But like there is a method when the boulder and the move is so big, their momentum is so powerful or they're falling or if they fall on their face. But I'll never remember. I'll never forget. Like I was like I fell and I was like pancaking and I was going down head first. And I just remember like Kenzie punching me almost like hitting me so hard in my quad that I flipped over and Rob putting his hand on my chest and slamming me into the asana mat. So I landed flat and I didn't land on my neck. And it is just like, it's, it's just, it was a different day and age. It was a very different day and age, but like, you know, regardless of whatever goes on, Kenzie Davis, Rob Kenderson, Jared Staines, Alicia, what is it, Aaron Giles, and um, uh, Jaleen Giles can spot me any day of the week because, like, like there was some sketchy shit that went down. And so, it was, like I said, it might be the soju talking, but it was a oh, it different is. day and age. My brother and my sister. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That did not deter me at all. I still wish I was part of that. I probably would have been a, a 16-year-old bum trying to learn how to climb. I would have been there. Who knows? Maybe I would not have been. I would not have been playing tennis. I'd be doing that. Oh, I forgot you were like basically a tennis pro. Oh God, not anymore. My, this this old back of mine does doesn't let me. Dude, I 
I look like a Labrador chasing a ball playing tennis. So I'm just like anything you do is great. I, tennis is honestly probably one of the hardest sports I've ever played in my life. I always used to joke around. I'm like, this is not that hard. And then I played one game. I was like, fuck, this is this is hard. It's this tough, is very man. hard. You ever tried pickleball? No, I just gave up after that point. <laughs> like I just like I played soccer a little bit, but I just gave up on ball sports, track and field, wrestling and rock climbing. Neutered sports. That's neutered cool. sports what no ball sports you have ball sports and then you have no ball sports technically you're right but i don't know how i feel about this i, 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 I reacted the exact same way mario and they told me that i i understand is it weird that i feel my own testicles retreating into my body for its own safety I, i'm right there with you i did the exact same thing No, don't apologize. You know, it, it it is what it is. You know, I just don't want to be neutered <laughs> or spayed or whatever else it is. You know, that's it. All right. But this conversation does not need to get NC-17. So <laughs> we're going to just move on. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, so D-Rocks, great gym. Yes. <laughs> um, is there a relationship that obviously there is a relationship that formed? That was quite amazing. But outside of y'all's romantic, beautiful, gushy, joying love, is there any relationships that formed in that gym or anything that like just kind of stands out to you? Um, I mean, I'm only going to say this because I was the manager, right? Because... I know I left you on the edge of your seat next week. The finishing up of this conversation drops. If you loved it, please share it. Please subscribe. Please leave a comment on whatever platforms you listen to. It means a lot. And remember, if you're not suffering, you got to ask yourself, are you even sending at all? It's that good, good. When you get that good, good suffer. I don't know. Reminate. I'm out of here. Tonight, yo, yo.